Welcome to the Change Management Review Podcast, where we bring the best of change management to you. In this episode, Teresa Moulton interviews Barbara Trotline, principal and founder of Change Catalyst, on the topic of change intelligence, how it changes our view from the well-known concepts of IQ and EQ, and how CQ can help change management practitioners. I'm sure you'll enjoy today's episode. This is Teresa Moulton, Editor-in-Chief of the Change Management Review, and I'd like to welcome you to the Change Management Review podcast with Barbara Troutline. We're going to be talking about change intelligence, and Barbara's got a whole new book on that. Really excited to hear more specifically what change intelligence is and what we can glean from it as change practitioners. Let me tell you a little bit about Barbara. Dr. Barbara Troutline is author of the best-selling book, Change Intelligence, Use the Power of CQ to Lead Change That Sticks, principal and founder of Change Catalyst, LLC, and originator of the CQ system for developing change-intelligent leaders and organizations. For over 25 years, Barbara has coached executives, trained leaders at all levels, certified change agents, and facilitated mission-critical change management initiatives, achieving bottom-line business and powerful leadership results for clients. In 2015, she was honored as the Change Management Consultant of the Year by the Association of Change Management Professionals Midwest Chapter. Barbara is gifted at sharing strategies and tactics that are accessible, actionable, and immediately applicable. Her blend of research and real-world expertise makes her an in-demand speaker at conferences in North America, South America, Europe, Asia, and Africa. Barbara has a unique ability to connect with her audiences from C-level executives in Fortune 50 organizations to frontline employees and across industries from steel mills to sales teams, refineries to retail outlets, and healthcare to high tech. Clients served include Abbott Laboratories, Ascension Healthcare, BP, Cisco, Ford Motor Company, the New York Police Department, and Save the Children. Barbara holds a doctorate in organizational psychology from the University of Michigan. So without further ado, I'd like to welcome Dr. Barbara Troutline. Thank you so much, Teresa. Thanks for having me. Thrilled to be here. Yeah, we're really happy to have you too. Um, I know that uh, you and I have been wanting to connect for a while and uh, get you on to the podcast and um, I'm also really excited about the webinar that you're going to be doing on October 10th. And then Barbara is also our keynote speaker for Lead Change 2018. So we've got a lot of good change intelligence content coming your way, uh, working with Dr. Troutline. Thank you. Yes, I'm excited to share the message with the, our fellow change management professionals. Yes, definitely. So just to get started, Barbara, um, one of the questions I like to ask everybody that I interview is, uh, how did you enter the profession of change management? Because as you know, um, we all come from different places. There's no real uh, path to get into change management. There's becoming one now, but there wasn't, you know, 25 years ago. So what's your story on that? That's exactly right. And I did start in the mid 80s. And my story is that in the mid-80s, when I was going to graduate school, I got a job with a consulting firm. And one of our first projects, actually my first project, was with a steel mill that was in bankruptcy. So I was part of a consulting team. And of course, 
what were we doing? We're attempting to help this steel mill emerge from bankruptcy. Mm -hmm. So literally, yeah, literally my first day on the job, I am standing in front of a room full of steel workers. There's probably 20 or 30 or 40, and they're all, you know, 20 or 30 or 40 years older than me. Right. And, um, And so there I am, and I'm talking about what is a major change, right? That I am there to partner with them, to transform them to high performance, total quality, self-managed teams. And there I am, 25 years old. A, a man stands up from the back of the room and he's six foot five inches, 250 pounds. He looks like the Hulk and he comes right to the big middle of the room, stands in front of me and says, we're steel workers and we don't listen to girls. Oh my. <laughs> yes. Yes. So that was my first day on the job. Right. And I knew that, you know, why, why did he say that? Well, I believe that he was afraid, right? He was afraid. Mm-hmm. He and everybody in the room, the steel mill was already in bankruptcy. It was the only job that they knew and it was the only game mm-hmm. in town and mm-hmm. it was already in bankruptcy, right? So they desperately didn't want it to shut down. But I also knew right from that first day on the job that there was a heck of a lot of fear and intimidation and some degree confusion in the change leader standing in front of the room. And that was supposed to be my job as a change leader. So that is how I started um, my almost 30 year now path to equip and empower my fellow change leaders. Wow. What a great story. I love it. Yes. Yes. I yes. love it. It reminds me of the first project I had as a, um, as a green consultant when I went into a um, mining mill, uh, a mining uh, facility, and uh, I wore a suit with a skirt and high heels and all of the workers looked at me and just kind of laughed and threw me like, you know, another outfit and steel boots and a hard hat and said, you know, you're going to need to change to come out and see what the heck we're doing. And I was like, okay, I totally missed this one. That's so. awesome. I think every woman that works in manufacturing probably has a similar story. Right. <laughs> I could have told that one as well. Exactly. And then right. I traveled around for another decade with my hard hat and metal tarsals with me. <laughs> Absolutely. That's great. So tell us about change intelligence and how it is different from our IQ or even our EQ. Yeah, absolutely. So again, you know, fast forward for the next um, 20 years after that story, I was a combination of what we would call now a change management and a leadership development consultant. So Uh I help clients. Yes, I help clients in a variety of industries with a variety of different changes from turnarounds like that steel mill. Then I did startup steel mills, I did mergers and acquisitions, IT implementations. And so it was always helping companies manage large-scale system changes. And as we know, almost all of those projects involve a significant leadership or team or interpersonal skills development component. And so about seven or eight years ago now, I sat back and I considered why do we still have such a high failure rate of change? And I believe, as many of us in our community do, that we do have a lot of excellent tools to manage change, change Mm -hmm. management methodologies, models, toolkits, right? Um, Mm -hmm. We have a lot of tools to develop leadership capabilities around communication, conflict management, coaching, et cetera. Um, And we have a lot of tools, I think, to help the targets of change, how to build their resiliency, manage the stress of change, become more innovative, creative. However, I thought there was a real gap in not just managing change, but leading change, not just developing change, uh, not just developing leadership capabilities, but specifically change leadership capabilities, and Mm -hmm. not just focusing on the targets of change, but focusing on 
us as leaders of change. So I put those things together and that's how I came up with the idea of change intelligence that of course we need a strong IQ, right? Um, mm -hmm. to do our jobs. We need EQ, the emotional intelligence, ability to connect with others and build relationships and manage our own emotions. But I believe that we also need a strong change intelligence, which I define as the awareness of our own style of leading change and the ability to adapt our style to be optimally effective in leading change across a variety of uh, people and situations. So starting with us as, as individuals and then looking at our collective capacity to lead change as teams and organizations. Interesting. That's interesting. So um, what I've, I am thinking about is, you know, a phrase that um, Daryl Connor uses in his, uh, his work, which is strengthen your change muscle. And mm. this mm -hmm. is, this is, I think, a more specific way, you know, to name that and talk about that agility and that flexibility and the, um, you know, the actual capability of being able to change. I love how you said that, and I totally resonate with that, that I think that um, one expression that I love is it's amazing how others change when we change, right? Mm -hmm. And, you know, we know that no matter how much we try, we can't force change on others, nor, of course, is that really our goal. I mean, I always joke that I have two teenagers at home now, and I can't, <laughs> I can't force them to change. Um, the only thing we really can control is ourselves, right? And I think so often as change management professionals, it can, you know, what's the most common topic? I think it's probably overcoming resistance to change, right? And right. so often the focus is, it just seems like and feels like we start off with the best intentions, but we get pushed back and it starts feeling like we're doing something to or against or even in spite of other people. We're really all we can control is ourselves, right? So that's right. exactly right. That That's the whole idea of change intelligence is to, um, recognize our strengths, recognize sometimes we overdo our strengths and recognize sometimes we have blind spots, but remembering that we have other tools in our tool bag, we have other options for how we behave as change leaders, and the more options we have, the more power we have, power to right. partner with others, not, not a, you know, kind of against or feeling like we're trying to overcome resistance, but kind of transforming what looks like resistance from our enemy to our ally, looking at in resistance in others as a source of information that we can use to do something differently, which is really the only thing we can control. And that's why it's an empowering message, I believe. I believe so too. I, I really um, I really like it uh, as a concept and um, I think we're lucky to have your work in developing it further, um, which leads me a little bit further into um, why you think it's important for leaders to know how to engage the heart, enlighten the head, and equip the hands. Um, can you give us an example on what this looks like inside an organization? Yeah, absolutely. And so to do that, that so what the definition of change intelligence is, is the awareness of our style of leading change and the ability to adapt it. So mm -hmm. I invite you, Teresa, and I invite everybody that's listening to, I'm going to describe the three styles of leading change, which is leading from the heart, leading from the head, and leading from hands. And I think for the listeners to get the most out of this is for them to really think about which sounds most like them, right? Mm -hmm. um, of course, we're all a blend of heart, head, and hands, just like we all have a heart, a head, and most of us have, you know, one or two hands. Um, we all have those styles and can do all those styles, but we tend to have some preferences. So, um, so I'll describe each briefly, and then we can talk about some you know, specific examples. But folks who lead from the heart, what's on their radar screen when they lead change are the people. 
So mm-hmm. they very much, yeah, so this is a behavior-based model. So their behaviors are very much around engaging, collaborating, communicating. They love to build teams and trust. Mm-hmm. This is also a strengths-based model. So any, so this, any style is a strength, right? Um, however, as you can imagine, any strength overdone is not so much a strength anymore, right? Um, right. So just in your experience um, from the, you know, what you've seen from people who tend to lead from that heart-centered place, um, how do you think that might, that strength might sometimes occur as being somewhat overdone, Teresa? What have you seen that behaviors that would indicate that? Actually, you know, one of the things that I have seen, um, at the, you know, senior executive level is, and I love this about, about, you know, um, this person that I've, I've worked with and is that he really wants to please his team. And, you know, he's very concerned about his team being comfortable um, with their leadership styles and so forth, but it impacts his ability to hold them accountable, um, you know, to some of the management uh, aspects of the work that, you know, he needs to have them do. So I find that because he leads with his heart, um, you know, everyone appreciates who he is and appreciates his intent, but they're looking for more accountability. That's beautiful. That's a perfect example of an overdone strength that um, high heart change leaders tend to want to take care of their people. They want to incorporate all their needs and concerns. And, um, and sometimes, though, what's change? Change is stretching ourselves out of our comfort zone, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and, and sometimes that, um, that can be uncomfortable for high heart change leaders that really want to, again, carry people's burdens um, uh, and, and, and take care of them in that way. Um, mm-hmm. So you're right. So that's a great example of an overdone strength and also of a potential blind spot because some things are so much on our radar screen, we could be blind to other important aspects of the change, such as um, encouraging accountability to move forward towards the change goal with velocity, right? And mm-hmm. this is effective. And that's the second style of leading change is leading change from the head. And when I talk about that, I mean that folks who lead change from the head, they tend, they love to focus on the goal, the vision, mm-hmm. the strategy. They're the type they love to go to conferences, read a lot, um, see mm-hmm. what the trends and the new technologies, the innovations are, and bring them back to their organization. So their mm-hmm. behaviors are very big picture, visionary system thinkers, um, so obviously those are strengths. How can that be overdone? Well, as we know, um, sometimes they can be on the train and the train is leaving the station, but they look around and they look behind them and nobody's on board. <laughs> right, right, um, right. Because what have they dropped out? They've dropped out the people side of change. But they can mm-hmm. also be inspirational and charismatic about talking about the future vision of the change. However, sometimes what can happen is that they can get people on the train, but the train derails because they haven't given them the, per- the, the process and the tools to get from here to there. And that's the third style of leading change from the hands. They love focusing on the, the plan, the process, the details, the tactics. Um, and of course, that's a strength. We need to nail the plan. However, sometimes they can get frustrated by pesky people, emotions, and team dynamics and organizational culture. Um, And then sometimes also they can get into maybe more of a change by checklist mentality and be efficient, but not truly effective um, and not lift their heads up, shall I say, to think about the big picture and the overall goal. Um, So those are the three main styles of leading change from the heart, focusing on the people, the head focusing on the vision and the strategy and the hands focusing on the process. Um, And so, you know, again, so the model is actually that when you put those all together, you you are a combination of of one of the seven change leader styles, either very high heart, very high head, very high hands, 
or a combination of two or even three. And by building your change intelligence, it builds your ability to become aware of your own style, also become aware of when you are overdoing it or neglecting other aspects, which again is often what can cause resistance in other people, right? Because what is resistance? Mm -hmm. I believe it's often people don't get it. That's a lack of the head type of leadership. They don't want it. That's mm -hmm. often a lack of the heart type leadership, right? Engagement, or they just can't do it. That's a lack of giving people the, the training and the tools and removing barriers that are standing in the way of good people behaving consistently with the change. Right, right. It makes a lot of sense. And um, I think when change management started with, uh, you know, the concept of change leadership, I don't think that we actually took time to explore those three areas in terms of how they show up in someone's style or in an organization. Um, you know, we didn't really define them like as flavors of change leadership. Uh, so that's really an interesting perspective. Well, thank you. And that's one thing that clients consistently report is that, you know, change intelligence gives them a common language to talk about mm -hmm. things up and down mm -hmm. and across the organization because it's very simple. It's very simple. Who can't remember head, heart, hand? But it's mm -hmm. also actionable, and that's what makes it powerful. People can do something about it immediately. To your point um, about Daryl Connor's great quote about building muscle, that's one thing that you can do. If, you're, if, you're, if your style, if you have a gap in one area, you can, you know, doesn't mean that you can't do it, right? It just means mm -hmm. that we tend to go with our strengths. We tend to get energized by certain things, and we drop mm -hmm. out the others, so therefore we don't build killer muscle. So obviously mm -hmm. one thing, like for example, me, I'm lower on the hand. So I can mm -hmm. build muscle in project management, learning the change management toolkit, right? So I nail the project plan and the accountabilities and the milestones and all that good stuff. I can mm -hmm. do that. I can, and there's also other actionable strategies. I can partner with people in areas mm -hmm. I'm weak or I don't enjoy, right? Mm -hmm. um, so definitely my favorite co-facilitator is very strong on my hands. He's what I call the executor's change leader style, mm -hmm. um, yeah, right? And, um, you know, executor just loves to get it done, right? Really make it happen. That's what energizes them. Um, I'm the opposite. I'm the combination of the heart and the head, which is mm -hmm. what I call the champion style. And that means that I, I, I get where the change needs to go or my clients need to go with a change project. And I love motivating and rallying the people to get there. I love to champion the change, right? Yeah, um, right. So, again, we're a very good partnership. And, um, and then the last thing that we can do, I think, when we have a blind spot or a gap individually or collectively is we can put systems and structures in place to keep things on our radar screen that we might drop out, right? right. Um, so, again, a low hands person or team can focus on the change management, project management toolkit, really get those scorecards in place, um, you know, keep, put accountabilities and, you know, process checks into our meeting agendas, that sort of thing. Um, so again, yeah. it's simple because uh, it creates a common language and then it's actionable because it points to specific things we can do based on the analysis. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. It really does. And I know you have an assessment that's part of uh, your methodology and I'm wondering, you know, what intriguing results you've found in your global assessment database and, you know, are there differences in leading change across hierarchical levels or regions of the world? Yeah, well, thanks for saying that. And yes, I do. I have, um, I have an assessment and I'm happy to make a complimentary offer to your listeners um, if they would like to test drive it. It's online. It just takes about 10 minutes to complete and it results in a report of your change leader style. And, um, you know, if people just want to email me at btroutline at changecatalyst.com. Um, I'm happy to send them a complimentary invitation.
Um, okay. So anyway, but yeah, so, so and, and also a free assessment um, comes with each copy of my book, Change Intelligence. Um, so anyway, yeah, so I do have this global ba database, which is very exciting now. And so I can point to three different results. One about the overall prevalence of the style, one about, as you said, the differences between level and one differences by region. Um, and it's fascinating to me, but about 42% of change leaders around the world, and this is from the C-suite to the front lines, right, in all different industries, because um, I think we're all change leaders, by the way, regardless of tenure, title, or role. <laughs> I think all yeah. of us, you know, whether you're that, you know, steel worker in the steel mill, whether you are a change management professional, whether you are in the C-suite, um, HR professional, no matter what it is, I think that we're all, I, that's my lingo, that's my philosophy anyway. Um, so anyway, the overall prevalence is that about 42% of people lead change from the heart, mm -hmm. about... 40 from the head and just about 18% from the hand. So mm. there. And what do you think about those results, Teresa? Do they surprise you or is that what you would have expected? Any thoughts on that? Well, I would find those results um, not as surprising if I was thinking about executives, but I find mm. them, you know, surprising in terms of uh, if I'm thinking about project level leadership, uh, because I would think that would be more with the hands and less with the heart. So um, very interesting results. Well, stay tuned for the hierarchical level results because <laughs> you're right. speaking to those a little bit. But but yeah, so it is really fascinating. And where I went with that when I first started seeing these results emerge, um, the assessment in the book were published five years ago. And these, this has been a pretty consistent finding every time I reanalyze the database, is that when, when you think about the high failure rate of change, right? Um, I think that, you know, strategy is sexy, right? Leading from the head, everybody wants to right. be a visionary strategist, right? We know so much about the bottom line benefits of engagement, um, and so much about managing change is about engagement. So the head and the heart, you can imagine that those would be somewhat strong. Um, however, what really gets dropped out is the really implementing the change, right? With all the change fatigue, change saturation, and really right. making it stick before we move on to the next one. Um, so it kind of, I think, supports a little bit the fact that sometimes I think those hands-oriented behaviors may be undervalued or devalued or looked at as just quote-unquote tactics. Yes. Um, but there's so, yeah, so I, there, I remember about a decade ago, um, the book Execution came out by right. um, Bossidy and Sharon Wright, and that was their big point in there was that um, we, we need to focus on all three. We need the strategy, we need the people, and we also need the operational tactics which is what, you know, hands-oriented leadership is really all about. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Um, so you've talked a lot about how CQ can help individual change leaders. What about teams, project teams, executive teams? Um, how, have, how have those shown up uh, for you with your work? Well, one, um, before I get to that, let me just really briefly talk about the hierarchical level oh, results. Okay, because this, great. Yeah, yeah, this, yeah, this speaks to that, actually, to some degree, because there's also pretty consistent differences across hierarchical levels. Um, mm -hmm. So probably not surprisingly, people in the, you know, C-suite and the helms of organizations tend to score higher on the head, right? Mm -hmm. And that's logical. That's their job, vision, and strategy. Um, and interestingly, though, surprising to me and sometimes others is that on the front lines, um, uh, you know, in the, especially, um, you know, first level supervisors, let's say first level managers mm -hmm. tend to be higher on the heart. That's ah, very yeah. much, yeah, 
regardless of industry, it's really fascinating. And um, I, and then in the folks in the middle, so you met, you mentioned like at the project level, like mm -hmm. project managers, middle managers, they tend to be a little higher hands. They tend to mm -hmm. be more balanced, but a little higher hands. And I think the implications for those results are fascinating um, because I think that um, when, uh, you know, we, we think about the, the folks at the tops of organizations, they tend to get the need for the change the most, right? And most mm -hmm. bought into it. And they've been thinking about it the longest. Um, however, um, they can be really isolated from the impact of the changes, thro uh, the changes throughout the organization. Um, mm -hmm. We know that the higher you get right, it's harder to get, hard to get any feedback, let alone real-time real and actionable feedback. And um, so I love that TV show, Undercover Boss. Right? Yeah. <laughs> what happens, yeah. <laughs> you know, a CEO masquerades as a frontline employee and see, sees how difficult things are. So, um, so one of my methods, and also on the front lines, um, you know, again, I think that frontline lead leaders intuitively know, and these are even, again, I'm doing some analyses looking at the CQ assessment versus the Myers-Briggs or the DISC, and even folks who are, you know, frontline engineers or um, accountants or, you know, um, professions that have a lot of, let's say, folks who are more ISTJs, right? Mm -hmm. um, they still are going to lead change from the heart, right? Mm -hmm. uh, because again, on the front lines, it's all about you know, helping individual people understand and behave consistently, you know, make it work, right? Mm -hmm. um, so right there, I think it's, it's, it helps us understand why there can be disconnects between different levels and to your point, different teams within organizations. Mm -hmm. um, so I always, uh, so a lot of times, you know, my counseling with the, um, the senior teams is that, um, well, we need all styles at all levels. So how can we augment the often strong focus on the hands, which more of a focus on the heart, right? Understanding mm. people's needs and concerns and the hands really helping people get it done, right? Make it real mm -hmm. in the field. Um, and so we really need often a lot better and more customized communication mechanisms and engaging mechanisms from up to down, right? And then conversely, my coaching to frontline leaders and, and middle level leaders is often around leadership courage, <laughs> right. having the courage really because we need that feedback to bubble up in the organization because what you see depends on where you sit. And a lot of times folks that are, you know, sponsoring the changes can be really divorced from the impact of those changes. So we need, I think, a lot more um, leadership courage, skill and savvy to bubble up that, that actionable feedback. Um, so anyway, so those are some interesting dynamics that I often see up and down organizations and they um, can be at least, I think, partially explained by, um, our, you know, the different ways that we're leading change. That's great. I think that makes a lot of sense. And is there anything else uh, specific about teams, project teams, executive teams that you think um, the CQ, um, I was going to say methodology, but it's almost like an approach um, brings, brings to those teams? Absolutely. So I often say that CQ plays well with others. <laughs> so CQ, because it's a complement to um, other change management and project management models and methods and tools, because it really does help you focus on change leadership and what's in your individual and collective tool bag, right? It's right. a really great process, right, to use um, when you're launching a new change team or project team, when a senior team is, is embarking on a major new initiative. Um, and even when you have a struggling team or two teams that are struggling together, because you can, again, all the individuals can take the assessment, you can create a team profile, and mm -hmm. that will give you a, yeah, a visual depiction of where your strengths are and where some gaps are. And so often a team can, if they're pre-existing, 
they can analyze where they've been successful in leading change together and where they've struggled and arrive at actionable insights. And if it's a new team or a new initiative, it's great to know, you know, um, what the different styles on the team are, how you can complement each other, how you can avoid frustrating each other, right, just by your different right. styles. Because um, often our intent doesn't match our impact. We're always trying to do the right thing, but sometimes the right thing according to my style, which is that champion style, um, is, is not going to play well with other styles, right? Um, so, so it helps you kind of negotiate roles and give and receive feedback, and, and it creates a lot less defensiveness. And obviously, if the team is already struggling, it can at times um, help you understand why um, and reach new agreements so you can be more effective moving forward together. Um, so that in general, and on my website, I do have multiple case studies of individual leaders as well as teams as well as whole organizations that have, you know, used, as you say, the CQ approach to build relationships to get results. Oh, that's great. That's great. Well, Barbara, we're about out of time, but I want to thank you very much for sharing your wisdom uh, about change intelligence and, uh, and your approach to how you use it with leadership and teams um, in the change world. And is there anything else that you'd like to leave our participants with? Just that I am very accessible. So anytime anyone wants to reach out to me via email um, or on LinkedIn, I am very available and I um, love building relationships in our change management community. So please never hesitate to reach out. And I do hope that uh, people take advantage of uh, meeting both of us at the ACMP um, uh, Northeastern Conference and uh, hopefully also at, at global and other regional events to come. Yeah, that would be fun. That would be a lot of fun. Okay, well, thank you very much for your time and um, looking forward to making this available to everyone. Thanks so much, Teresa. Okay, bye-bye. We hope you've enjoyed this episode of the Change Management Review Podcast with Teresa Moulton, Editor-in-Chief of Change Management Review, and Barbara Troutline, Principal and Founder of Change Catalyst. Be sure to follow us on Twitter and LinkedIn and like us on Facebook.